All right. We are going through Romans chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Chapter by chapter, verse by verse. If you could rise for the reading of God's word, we are in Romans chapter 5. We'll be going, starting again in, in verse 1. We're going to be going through verse 6. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. Anyone need a Bible? If you do, raise your hand. All right. Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 6. This is, this is God speaking to you. It's who wrote this letter the pen of the Apostle Paul. Verse 1, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. And perseverance, character, and character, hope. Now, hope does not disappoint. Because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who, has, who was given to us. For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Okay, let's pray. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus because of what Jesus did for me and did for us, dying on the cross, covering our sin, giving us access to you so that we could even be here today. I pray, Father, that you would fill our hearts, Lord, with just a greater understanding And with that understanding, a greater joy. A joy that you say, Lord Jesus, is ours by right and privilege because of having put our faith in you. Also a greater love, which Lord Jesus, you say, is our right and privilege as sons and daughters of God. By putting our faith in you. Lord, so that our lives would just be a greater reflection of you. So that you would be looking upon Calvary Chapel in the city. That you would just be delighted in seeing that reflection of your son, Lord Jesus. We say, no. Remember going to see my son when he was playing 
Little League, Lord, and it was just such a joy to see him. And it's such a joy for you to come here only a thousand more times so when you see your son in us. Lord, that's what we want. We pray that by the Holy Spirit, you would do that very thing in us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, you may be seated. So Christina and Chris in the back. So if someone comes in, if you could put them in that direction, yeah, because you, get, you all may have trouble seeing the projection screen. I'm going to be putting a lot up. I thank God for, I thank the Lord for, for the ushers who serve at our church. They're, they're such a blessing to, to me. So the book of Romans is the Apostle Paul's exhaustive theology of Christianity. A simpler and better way to say that is it's God's letter to you about everything you need to know about Christianity. That's what the book of Romans is. The first four chapters of Romans are a description of you. They're a description of me, how by uh, you, me, by, by, by substituting yourself for God, by me substituting myself for God as the person who's in charge of my life, in charge of your life, uh, your relationship with God was broken. You came out of the womb, the Bible says, in that way. And as you grew up, as I grew up, it, 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 we came out shaking our fist at God, wanting to be in charge, insisting that we're in charge, and, and giving God uh, uh, lip service. And, and in the book of Romans uh, introduces this whole thing, this whole progression from the time that uh, that the, the song that we get, the Nigerian song that we just um, we just sang, spoke about the great Creator. It be, begins with God's creation and how the creation, man, woman, uh, they they rebel, and God has two responses. First, a response because He's a just God of of anger and judgment against man, against woman, and second, at the very same time, simultaneously, a response of love, intense love, powerful love, to rescue you and me from that anger and judgment by sending his own son to provide a way of salvation from that wrath and judgment. His son, Jesus Christ, did that very thing. He provided that way of salvation, of justification by living for you, dying for you, raising from the dead for you, and then providing a way in which you have full benefit of Jesus's life, death, and resurrection. And that was the way of faith. We come into that, not by trying to be good. That's lost. We, we lost that game. Only by faith is that way of salvation, by putting your faith in Jesus Christ, who he is and what he did for you, the Bible says that you are justified. 
we've been getting familiar with that word because it's used a whole host of times in the book of Romans. It says you, by faith, not by your works, not by trying to be good, not by trying to make up for the things that you have done, but by faith you are justified by God. Now, I, I put up the, um, the definition of justified a number of times. And, uh, you know, I, I'm working through Romans just, just like you are. And so I'm, I'm actually going to put that definition up again, except I've changed it a little. So forget about that other definition. This is, here's where I am today. I don't know where I'm going to be, uh, la- uh, be next week. But it says, you are not guilty. Now, last, last w- week, the, the last couple of weeks, I said, what I said was, you are fit. Meaning, sort of, you are ready. But as I just Man, I just continue chewing over these verses. It's really justified means you're not guilty, you're qualified. I, God, now receive you into an everlasting everlasting relationship with me. That's what justified means. You are not guilty because Jesus died in your place. The punishment for your sin was death. Jesus died for you. You are qualified because Jesus credits his perfect life to you. At that point, you put your faith in him. The Bible says you are justified. And, that, and that, that's where we've been in the last four chapters. It's, it's, it's the first four chapters of Romans deals with everything that happened to you, to mankind, but also to you, up to and including your justification, your salvation. Now, in the fifth chapter, there's a huge shift. There's a massive shift in the fifth chapter. You could call it a breakthrough. A breakthrough from sort of one part of the letter to the next part of the letter. Chapters one through four is sort of, that is who you were, how you went from the place where you were who you were to being justified, from going from the place that you were a lost sinner under the wrath and judgment of God to the place that you were justified. That's chapters one through four. Chapter five on is the rest of the story. That's the rest of the story. So chapter 1, verse 16, let me put it like this. It's just sort of where things get going. Prior to that, Paul's sort of introducing himself. You don't have to turn there, but uh, we've quoted it on Sunday morning, I don't know how many times in the last few months. It's, it, Paul says in chapter 1, verse 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for your salvation. The gospel meaning good news. I am not ashamed of the good news, Romans 1.16. For it is the power of God for your salvation. Now, the first four chapters is an introduction to that good news. But in chapter 5, there is a massive shift Entering into chapter 5 uh, and going into it, it's, it's kind of like you know, going into a time warp where, where, where all of the sudden you're thrust from one moment to the next into a brand new 
place, an incredibly beautiful and powerful place. Chapter 5, verse 1 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, and then what follows in the rest of this chapter is that now that you've been justified, Paul says, I'm going to tell you, God says, I'm going to tell you what comes with that justification. Therefore, having been justified by faith, now he's going to say, having been justified, saved by faith, not by works, saved by God, here's everything that comes along with it. So the fifth chapter here is a description of the grace, the blessing, the favor, the gifts that God pours out on you as a result of his justification of you. And so here's a list right here. This is, this is what it, what's um, really important that we get. Number one. Having been justified, having been saved. That's the first four chapters, Romans. Chapter five, we're going to read just in these first six verses. We have peace with God. We stand in grace. We rejoice in hope. We rejoice in tribulation. And Sean, I want you to actually fill in between now and the next time I uh, put this up, number five, which is... We receive the love of God. Can we put that up, Sean, for next time? We receive the love of God. So having been justified, we have peace with God. We stand in grace. We rejoice in hope. We rejoice in tribulations. And we receive the love of God. By experience, we receive it. So in last week, if you weren't here, you should... I recommend that you listen to the uh, message online. It starts off. We actually started in chapter 5 last week. It says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. And I'm not going to rerun last week's sermon. If you weren't here, I recommend that you uh, read it online. This is not talking, I mean, that you listen to it online. This is not only talking about peace with God, meaning God is no longer against you. It means an actual experience of peace. That thing that this country runs after million miles an hour, you have it. So now that you're justified, you have peace with God. Let's continue. So that was the number one. Having been justified, we have peace with God. The next one is we stand in grace. So let's continue. Therefore, having been justified by God, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also, meaning in addition to peace, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And I don't know why, but, but for all the years I remember reading this verse, I, I think, this is, I hope this doesn't mess your mind up, but in my own mind when it says, in, in which we stand, I substitute the word stuck. Stuck like in a great way. 
And, and, and the sense is real there, being stuck because your, your salvation is, is secure. This, this grace that you've been invited into, is, it's secure. And it, it's not going anywhere. Jesus says, none who are in my hand will be cast out, will fall out, he says in John chapter 10. And, and so it says, in addition to the peace, verse 2, we also have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. Can we put the list up uh, again, Sean? So that's number two. Wow, fun. see? I love the projection guys too. The ushers are the projection guys. So we stand in grace. That's, not, uh, th- that's, that's number two. Now, I could spend the next four Sundays describing what this grace means. When it, when it says, when verse 2 says, this grace in which we stand. I, I could spend literally four uh, Sundays describing that. And I think, I think with, God, with God's grace, we would all be, we'd be blessed doing that. But I, I don't want to do that today. I, I, I'm just going to spend a few, a few minutes. Um, this is a big deal. When it says here in verse 2 that by Lord Je- through the Lord Jesus Christ, you also have access by faith into this, this grace. And the best way I can think of this is, of, of a short way of describing this, is to steal from David Crowder, who, who says this in his song, How He Loves Me. Anyone know that song? Oh, how he loves me. Yeah. He says what? He says, if grace were an ocean, we'd all be sinking. I mean, it's it's that big. It's that huge. When it says that by Jesus Christ, you have access into this grace, it's talking about something that is so beautiful, so indescribable. You now have access into it. And so um, I think the best description, one of the best descriptions in a nutshell of this grace, which you're stuck in now, like in a good way, you're standing, and you, you don't have to move from, you can't move from, is in Ephesians chapter 1, verses uh, 4 through 6. Uh, those verses say this. God, the Father, chose us in Him to be holy and without blame before Him in love for adoption as sons by, grace, by Jesus Christ to Himself and to be accepted in the Beloved. Now, Now, we're talking about What does it mean that we have access into this grace? Let me just take this verse and summarize it for you. This is what this grace is. You are before him in love. This is what what Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 through 6. Can you skip back again to the the verse, Sean? Here's the verse. Here's the summary. This grace in which we stand, you're, you're before him in love. You're adopted to himself and you're accepted in to the beloved. You, th- this grace that you have access to, you, you are before him in love, you're adopted to himself, you're accepted in the beloved. 
Always, and it never changed. You're stuck there. There are times in your life where I felt like I'm in a straitjacket. I want to get away from this God thing. No, you're stuck. I've stuck you into this grace. This grace in which we stand. So again, therefore, Romans chapter 5, verse 1, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. So let me just, uh, again, the difference between Romans chapter 1 through 4 and Romans chapter 5, verses 1 forward, is that Romans chapter 1 through 4 is about how the, the filthy rags of guilt are taken off of me and they are replaced with the spotless garments of Christ's perfection. Uh, that is, that's indescribably, incredibly wonderful. But chapter five is how I can have God himself. I, is everyone with me? Ch- chapters one through four is about how my guilt is, is taken away and replaced with something else, but and how God does that, but chapter five is about how I can have God himself. I'm not only not guilty before God, I need you, God. I I, I need you, God. I I need more than God telling me I'm not guilty. I'm sorry, that's not enough. I need him himself. That's the time warp. That, that's the time warp where you, you, you go through a chapter four. We've been muddling along. It's been very difficult for me to, to, to work through, uh, to teach through, uh, because there's really difficult things and hard to hear things in it. But in chapter five, all of a sudden, you're, it's like you're going into a time warp and you're, you're thrust into this beautiful place where it's like, not only, therefore, chapter five, verse one, have you been justified with God, you have God. You have him. So, okay, God, you've taken off of me the filthy rags of shame and perfection. Uh, You have replaced uh, uh, them with with spotless garments of of Jesus' perfection. And, and, And Lord, you've done so much more than that. You've given me yourself. Can we put the summary of Ephesians 1 through 4? You've, you know, the summary of Ephesians, um, You've given us yourself. I'm, I'm before you uh, in love. Not only did you adopt me, you adopted me, and, and, and you bring me to yourself. You have God himself, it says, and you've been accepted in the beloved. Now, there are various interpretations of what that means, beloved. Some people think it's the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You've been accepted into the beloved. Um, others think it's, it's the body of Christ. You've been accepted as a child of God and, and a son of God. So number three, we rejoice in hope. So we're justified. Can we have the list again, Sean? We're justified. We have uh, we, uh, the list before of the, uh, of the five things. We're ju- having been justified, we have peace with God, verse one says. And then it says, we stand in grace, it says, but verse two continues there, read it there with me. It says, and we rejoice in hope 
of the glory of God. We have peace with God. We stand in grace. God has brought us to himself. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. What is the glory of God? It's again, it's when, when, we, when for the first time our eyes are opened up and we see that part of God that makes our heart explode. We see the love of God. We're like, whoa, the love of God. I didn't know you loved me that much. And, and so you guys have, have seen me do that. But that's the glory of God. And we have a hope of the glory of God. Once you've been justified, you have peace with God. You, God brings you to a place where you stand in grace, in the presence of God, and you rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Now, that word hope, unfortunately, you know, we think it's a very different meaning in the Bible than how we use it. We say, I, I hope I won the lottery. I, I hope you're not doing the lottery, by the way. I hope your hope is in Christ and not in the lottery. But I hope I won the lottery. Okay, I rebuke you, but I rebuke me. But, 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 but that's, you know, I, I hope that I, I can get this job. Or I hope that um, the Patriots win another Super Bowl. I really do hope that. I, 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 I hope that. I hope that. <laughs> but what it means in the original language is expectation. It's expect. You, it, 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 the, the, that means what the, the, it's the expect, expectation of the coming good, that which God is going to do in the future. So when it says at the end of verse 2 that we rejoice in hope of the glory of God, it, this is really talking about the second coming of Christ or being in the presence of Jesus after we die where we, where we can see him in all the fullness of, um, of his glory. So again, having been justified, Romans chapter 5, verse 1, you have peace with God. You stand in grace, and you're no longer in fear of death. The Bible says we're under the slavery. Hebrews chapter, I think it's chapter 2. It says we're, we're, we're not in slavery or the fear of death anymore. Instead, because of faith in Lord Jesus, we're, we, we rejoice in the expectation of the glory of God. Okay. Sean, can we have that list of... Of, of five again. Number four is we rejoice in tribulation. I know that's a big deal. <laughs> we rejoice in tribulations. What is tribulation? Tribulation is it, 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 it's that thing that's the curse of the unbeliever. It's the curse of the world. There, it, it, it's it's the thing that. That tribulation, um, actually, in the Greek here, it means the word pressure. It's used throughout Greek literature in various ways, including the pressure that's put on a grape to get all its juice out. It's the pressure. The word is also used in, in Greek literature to mean a, a torture that was given um, on, on a prisoner in, in order to extract a confession. They used to put these huge weights on them, the pressure to get a confession out. This is a big time word. Tribulation. 
and, and what are tribulations? Tribulations are just the curse of the world. They, 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 the world curses tribulation. The world is ever running away from tribulations, but never able to get away from. And here we are told, Sean, can I have it again? Here we are told um, that as a result of being justified, we actually rejoice in them. If you don't believe it, it says this in verse three, read with me. And not only that, meaning not only do you get the peace of God, not only do you stand in grace, not only do you rejoice in hope, not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance, character, and character, hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit uh, who ha- was given to us. So uh, what is tribulation? You know, first I, wanna, first I want to be really clear what it means when it says we glory in tribulations. Most translations say rejoice. So most translations will read something like this. Not only that, this is the same verse in a different translation. This is how most translations translate this verse from the Greek. Not only that, but we rejoice in our afflictions because we know that our affliction produces endurance. So rather than running away and considering tribulations a curse, as we did prior to coming to Jesus, we actually have the privilege of rejoicing in them. Some of you are familiar with this verse, James 1-2, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. That's it. Huge verse in our family because this is what completely turned my wife Stephanie's life upside down a year after we were married when I realized, what am I going to do, God? I'm married to a woman who's not interested in you or your word. And she went off to... After prodding, my prodding and prodding, she went off to a Bible study and one day she comes home and bursts through the front door reading this verse. She said, Steve, do you realize what the book of James says? It says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. And, And I knew what had happened to her. I knew right then what had happened. And I knew our lives would never be the same from that point on. But it's this thing this privilege that you have for being, instead of running away from trials, you can actually rejoice in them. Let's talk a little bit more about what tribulation is. What, it, it, what is tribulation? It's, if you look at it in these two verses, I think it's, um, it's helpful to understand what it is. Verse three says, not only that, but we also glory or rejoice in tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings perseverance, and perseverance, character, and character, hope. So, so what is tribulation? Tribulation is something that God allows in your life 
or brings into your life, I've given up on trying to figure out those two, by the way. Uh, the, the word allows, I don't like it, but the Lord brings into my life, I don't like that as well. It's somehow it's both. A tribulation is something God brings into your life or allows in your life for the purpose of changing your character. A, a tribulation is designed by God to eliminate those things which ruin your character. What are the things that ruin your character? Murmuring against God, murmuring against people, uh, uh, gossiping, uh, blaming people, blaming God, fudging the truth, lying, coveting, meaning not being content, just wanting everything other than what God has uh, given you. Questioning the goodness of God is an indication of a lack of character. And, And so a tribulation is designed to to, again, apply pressure to get those things out. It's another example of tribulation is that the whole concept of, of fire and a refining gold and a refining fire to get off all the dross or silver and a refining fire. So, so, so that at the, at, when it's done, it's perfect work that those things that have been ruining your character have been covering the image of Jesus Christ in your life are pressured out of you. They're grinded out of you. They're burning out of you. Rather than a tribulation, through a tribulation, um, this uh, Romans uh, 5, 3 through, uh, uh, 3 and 4 says, through a tribulation, and rather than murmuring against people, you, you begin to forgive them and love them. Rather than murmuring against God, you began to worship Him in the, tri- in the tribulation. Rather than blaming people, rather than blaming God, rather than gossiping, you're exercising uh, self-control. Rather than fudging the truth, you're, you're keeping the truth even when it hurts. Rather than coveting, wanting everything else other than what God has given you, you're content with what God has given you, rather than questioning the goodness of God, you rejoice in the goodness of God. That's what what tribulation does. So let's talk about some specific examples of tribulation. Again, what does the verse, verse say? It says, we glory in it. We glory in the tribulation. We, we rejoice in it. It's a privilege of being saved, of being justified. What are some examples of tribulation? Well, it includes goofy little things that annoy you. Your husband left his dirty underwear on the bedroom floor for the 64th time. You've only been married six months. You know, that begin murmuring in your heart. Against God, why did you give me him, God? Or, or your wife interrupts you for the fifth time. This week, the bank teller shuts down right in front of you ten, two minutes before closing. You're, you're sitting in a single lane of really slow traffic um, on an exit from a highway in a car who didn't want to sit in that same thing with you. Comes up from beside you and cuts right in front of you. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, a, tribula- that's a tribulation. 
It's testing your character. It's revealing that dross, that bad stuff. It's, it's, it's bringing it right in front of your eyes. That's what God wants to just push, push out of you. But then there's tribulations which rock your world. There's tribulations which bring about a new normal in your life. And the new normal involves breathtaking loss, the loss of a child. The loss of a brother, the loss of a friend, the loss of a, of a wife or husband. The loss of a relationship. The loss of financial stability. The, the, the loss of a job in which, which just a crushing debt all of a sudden for the first time in your life is just bearing upon you. The, the, the loss of trust, the a major, major knife in your back by a friend who you, who is, as David said in the Psalms, this is the friend who I used to go with the throngs of people to, to the house of God with. Now he's, he's stuck a knife in my back. That's a tribulation. A child who you've poured your whole life into goes into full on rebellion so whether they're whether they're small tribulations or the ones that you lack your world rock your world these verses this is Romans chapter 5 verse 3 and 4 they are brought about to bring character into your life to expose a lack of character that which is in you where you find yourself angry with god that which is in you with uh, yourself accusing god god i i, I all this I, I i've been serving you for so many years i've been pouring uh, my life into this child and this child has rebelled god what, what's up with this this is the payback you find yourself denying the goodness of god you have a corrupt moral character. And God is going br- to push that out under the place where it says, it says, you rejoice in that tribulation, knowing that the tribulation produces perseverance, meaning over time you become more and more Will more and more able to rejoice in, in you persevere in it. More, more, a lot of translations say endure. Can we have that second translation up again? A lot of translations um, say uh, endure. We know that affliction pre, uh, produces an endurance. Listen, if, if you told me 30 years ago when I came to the Lord that I'd be going through the stuff that I've gone through in the last five years, I go, oh, there's no way. But, but, 
but we rejoice in our tribulations, our affliction, because we know that affliction produces endurance. Endurance, with the endurance over time, produces uh, character, it says in verse 4. And then finally, character, hope, meaning that expectation of enjoying God in all his fullness. Tribulations, they're the curse of the world. The world does everything it tries to do to run away from it. You've been given the privilege, the right, the ability to rejoice in them, in that, that thing that's crushing you right at this moment. God has given you the gift, having been justified by faith, you have peace with God, you stand in grace, and you can, you rejoice in the hope of God, and you even rejoice in tribulation. I don't want to run past this verse without asking uh, the obvious, which is, how do you rejoice? How does that come about? Well, it's tied directly to the Holy Spirit. Note, uh, it says in verse 5, No hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. You can't rejoice in an earth-shattering, life-rocking tribulation without the operation of the Holy Spirit, with the Holy Spirit at the end of verse five, which has been given to you. It has been said rightly that Christianity, it's not, it's a supernatural religion. It's not a willpower religion. You can't stir up rejoicing when your whole world is being rocked. Neither can you stir up rejoicing when someone is cutting in front of you in the exit lane. You can't, that doesn't come naturally. Now, but it doesn't stop, it's by the Holy Spirit, but this is so very important. It's, 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 it's by the Holy Spirit, but notice how it says in verse three, not only that, but we also glory in tribulation or we rejoice in tribulation. And then that word knowing. You can only rejoice if you've received, in tribulation, if you've received the Holy Spirit, and you can only rejoice knowing, knowing the Word of God. You can, you can only rejoice in that. And, and I think if we spent so much time on, on this, this concept, John chapter 15, verse 11, Jesus says this to the disciples on the night that he would be taken from them. He says, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and there, your joy may be full. So there's no joy, not only if you don't have the Holy Spirit, but if you're not in the word, discovering who God is. That, that's why we're so big on the word of God at Calvary Chapel. If you're waiting around for an experience and it breaks my heart 
When I see the, the body of Christ in the United States of America, uh, where there's a false gospel out there, we just wait for some kind of, uh, of, of thing from the Holy Spirit, and without, without knowing anything about this, somehow there's going to be tinglings of joy and holy laughter or whatever. It swept through the church when, in, when I, right after I became a Christian. These, uh, the, the people just looking for an experience apart from no wing the word of God. Jesus says again when he's praying to the Father in John 17, these things I speak, meaning he's giving them the world, or rather he's giving them the word, he's giving them knowledge, uh, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. And so we only do this rejoicing in tribulation things by being on a regular basis in the word of God. Last thing we have as a result of being justified. Number five. Actually, actually, I like that. Thank you for doing that. Bring back John chapter 16. This is, this is, this is an important verse for what I'm talking about. Uh, again, you need the Holy Spirit in order to rejoice in tri uh, tribulation. But what does the Holy Spirit do? It doesn't come, he doesn't, rather, not it. it he comes in, and, and it's not some work of, uh, of weird kind of magic. What he does is, is teach you the word. That's what he does. He will glorify me, this is Jesus speaking, for he will take of what is mine. Who is he? He's the word, and he declares it to you. Is everyone with me? So number five, having been justified, having been justified, we're now into our time warp. It's, we're like a billion miles away from the end of chapter four. We have peace with God. We stand in grace. We rejoice in hope. We rejoice in tribulations. And we receive the love of God. Verse five says, read it here with me. Hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us for when we were still without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Now please, again, I've gone a few minutes over time here with my message. Actually, if the worship team could come up as I, as I close with, with this very important point. It says here that the fifth thing that you get is, is the love of God. It says the love of God is, has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Having been justified, the Holy Spirit sheds abroad in your heart the love of God. Oh, how many years have I struggled with this verse? Because I'm thinking, I don't like this person at work. I don't like this person in my neighborhood. Where's this love that God has shed abroad in my heart? And again, the mistake that I made for so many years is thinking that, that, that by the Holy Spirit, the love of God has been put into my heart apart from knowing truth about God. Is everyone with me? That's the mistake I made. But you can't experience the love of God, not only receiving but giving, unless you know the truth. And what is the truth? The truth is the very next verse, verse 6. For, therefore, when we were still without strength, 
Christ died for the ungodly. You see, when you understand what Jesus did for you on the cross, that seed that the Holy Spirit, that seed of love shed abroad in your heart, when you begin understanding it, that will, that will start shedding abroad and you'll be able to love people. People that before that you did not like. As you, as, you, as you understand the truth, again, it's the Holy Spirit which you have. That's what verse 5 says. It says the Holy Spirit who was given to us, but it's in combination, which verse 6, with knowledge, knowing the truth of God, that Jesus Christ died for you, a sinner who deserved the wrath of God, the anger of God, and the wrath and anger of God were poured out on him. And once you grow in your understanding of that truth, that love that was shed abroad in your heart will start shed abroad to others. I remember years and years ago, there was someone who grew up in our church and they grew up in a, a Christian family. They were, uh, they had a very loving mother, a very loving father, a father who was just dedicated with them all, all the time. Growing up. A mother who just provided, the, there was an exam, they read the word of God in the home. They, we, we, we heard a testimony last week of, 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 uh, from, from a few of the kids, uh, Lewis, Heather, and Priscilla, of, of, it could have been kids and he could have been, this, this person, this person who was in our church, uh, this is a long time ago, the person is, is long gone, but uh, uh, they moved to another state, but um, they, he, he came up to me and he said, I know that I'm no better than anybody else. But I just can't help it. When I see others, that, I mean, you know, they get metal all over their face. They, they get these testimonies of being just drugs and in and out of meth, methadone clinics and and from one bed to another bed to another bed, another bed. One of one time years ago, we had a sister in the church who had lived a life of prostitution. She spent the the pulpit. We gave the pulpit to her. She shared the whole, her whole testimony. I mean, it was a wonderful, glorious thing. But but in, in, in his mind, I know that I'm no, I know. In the Bible, tells me I I'm no better than than her or them. But I just can't help but thinking. I can't help but thinking, I'm just better than them. And it struck me at the time. Here is, here's a man, and I love him for being transparent with me, but here's a man who's more wicked than all those other sins combined because it's the sin of the devil. It's the sin of pride. It's the, all those other sins that those people that he doesn't think he's better than, those sins re resulted, it, they originated in pride. And the only way that that man or anybody else in this room is going to be able to love those people in such a way that he and we realize that we're no better than anybody. Is <laughs> if we understand verse 6, that when we were out str without strength, meaning we were enemies of God, Christ died for us. When we get that, 
we'll experience the reality of number five, receiving the love of God. So if the prayer folks can come up, if you've been asked to pray, come up. If you could stand now for the, the closing worship song. Having been justified by faith, we have the privilege and the right of having the peace of God, of standing in grace and rejoicing in hope, rejoicing in tribulations, and also receiving and giving the love of God. If you've never come to Jesus Christ and by faith said, I'm giving up, I give up on trying to be my own God in charge of my own life, come in, Lord Jesus. If you've never done that, come up. It's a prayer of faith. You can pray, you can pray with you. I'll be up here. Or if you read this list, having been justified, you are now in a present reality where you have the right, the privilege, of the peace of God, of standing in grace, of rejoicing in hope, of rejoicing in your tribulation and receiving the love of God. The Bible does say we work out our salvation, we work out our justification with fear and trembling, meaning it takes a number of years to get one through five all in place. Part of working out these things is praying with a brother or sister. If, if those things are not a present reality in your life, come up. We can pray. But let's worship. We close in prayer. And then we can pray and worship. Father, we just thank you. Having been justified, you just pour it on, Lord. I just pray for Calvary Chapel in the city. We'd just be able to experience what you've poured on. Lord, that not so that we can go out and just be fat, happy, and selfish, Lord, but that we would glorify your name. That we'd be a delight to you. That you would see a reflection of your Son in us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.